So we're blessed to have Jenny May teaching us this morning, and she's going to share with us on Miriam. So welcome. I brought props. Eddie, am I on? Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Yeah, I'm on. Okay. I just want to wish you shalom, 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 yeshalayim. Today, 28 years ago, I was in Israel because it's Purim today. And all the little boys and girls would either dress up as Esther or um, evil Haman or King Ahasuerus or, um, or Mordecai. And it was really fun. And I encourage anyone who doesn't, hasn't been to Israel, go with Pastor Rob. You'll love it. Anyway, let's open in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, I need all the help I can get, Lord, and help me to be timely with this today, too. Otherwise, these ladies are going to be here for a long time. So I just ask that you would anoint me and fill me with your Holy Spirit and somehow pray that you'll be glorified. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. I like that song, My Confidence is in You. Um, I'm going to do this a little differently. Usually we have, we, I go by the word. I don't usually teach this way. But it was 20, 20 chapters. So I'm going to rope it in. And I've titled this Miriam, Moses and Aaron, Sinners to Saints and Saints to Sinners. So between um, Genesis 50... And Exodus 1 was 300 years. There was about 300-year gap. The word of God said that in Genesis that the children of Israel would be held captives 430 years. And to the day, it was 430 years. So God's word is always true. So we'll start out first. um, We're going to do a family This is a family trip. Families stay together, and this is a family trip. So after 300 years had passed, Joseph and his brothers came down to Egypt. Remember how he came down to Egypt because there was a famine, and they stayed. And they stayed for about 300 years, and they settled in Goshen, which was the most fertile part of Egypt. And they were multiplying so rapidly that the Pharaoh was getting very frightened because he said, if these Hebrews come and fight against our enemies, they'll overtake us and they'll be, they'll be the, um, they'll, they'll take our land and our pyramids and our beautiful palaces. And so a Pharaoh arose who knew not Joseph guess he didn't read his history book because um, he was evil and cruel and he would make them make bricks and then finally he got mad and he made made them make their own straw out of their own bricks and I thought it was really interesting in my digging through archaeology the lowest part of some of their buildings in Egypt are made with straw but the higher they went up there was no straw So it shows you once again, the Bible's always true. So Pharaoh spoke to the midwives and he said to the midwives, when the Hebrew women go into labor and give birth, you kill the little baby boys and you can keep the women and they can be our slaves. 
because he was afraid of this huge population growth. But the midwives feared God. And they said, we're not doing this. And then when they reported back to Pharaoh, Pharaoh said, well, why aren't you eliminating these boys? And he said, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They give birth and they're, they're good to go and they go out back to their duties. So Miriam was about 10 to 12 years old about this time. Her name means bitter or stubborn. Too bad. That wouldn't be a good name to name a baby. Bitter or stubborn. However, we are all bitter and stubborn throughout our lives. I know that's true. Um, so here the family of Amram, Jochebed, and Miriam. And then their little brother Aaron, who is about three years old. And Jochebed gives birth again to this beautiful little baby boy. And we ladies, we love those babies. I, mean, I just love babies, and I'm baby crazy. And we're going to get our number nine um, this month, hopefully. So I'm really excited. And he's going to be a little boy. And anyway, Miriam and Jochebed and Amram and Aaron saw this little baby brother and they said, there is no way we're going to keep him quiet for about three months. About three months, they get to be a little louder. They're not always sleeping. And they roll off the bed, at least all my four kids did. And they cry and wah. So finally, I have a feeling. And I'm going to use this I have a feeling because the word of God is, I'm taking total liberty, amen. I'm taking total liberty in this scripture, in, in these um, 20 chapters. So Miriam and her mom went down to the river and they gathered the reeds and they made, they wove a beautiful basket, a beautiful Moses basket with a lid and they placed the little beautiful baby three-month-old in that basket. And I believe that her mom said, take this little baby down to the river. And you know where Pharaoh's daughter goes and hangs out with her girlfriends and her um, servants? Go over there and just let this little baby take the current and go right by her. But kind of watch where your little brother's going. And she, Miriam, hid the bushes, kind of in the bulrushes. And then she saw that, that Pharaoh noticed the basket and called her servant and said, What's over there? What is that thing? Go get that for me. And her servant brought it over to, to Pharaoh's daughter, and she opened the lid. And here this precious, beautiful baby went, wah, wah. And she just couldn't help but love a little baby. And I'm sure she that all those little mothering instincts, when you see a little baby, you just want to kiss them and love them and, and nurse them. And so Miriam pops out and she goes, would you like a wet nurse for that baby? Oh, Pharaoh's daughter said, yes, I do. And she said, would you get me one? She goes, I have just the woman. And she goes, and I'll pay, I'll pay that woman. So 
Miriam takes her little brother home and gets a good little um, gets a good little cup of coffee, and um, and she nurses her baby. And she it it's not like a year like we sometimes um, nurse our babies. They nurse their babies for like three or four or five years, like I did with my youngest son, which he hates when he when I tell him that story. <laughs> but um. So I bet when when um, Jacobed had her little baby and was nursing him, she was saying, Yahweh loves me, this I know, for the Torah tells me so. And she would take him out and see the stars. You're part of a heritage, a covenant that was made by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God made the stars and God loves you and God has a plan for you and you're a special boy because don't we all tell them that they're special because they are and so when Moses was about I would say maybe four or five Miriam and perhaps Jacobed takes him back to Pharaoh and he learns Pharaoh's world he's he learns their culture. He learns their money system. He learns that they're polytheistic. And he learns about their gods. He probably learns about their laws. He learns their language. He learns their um, their religious system. He probably learns time. He learns their, um, their shapes. And there are a lot of triangles in that land. And he probably learns to um, be a great warrior and rides a chariot or a horse and, and maybe wrestles because we're now 40 years later. But he also sees the cruelty of the Egyptians and the injustice that's happening with the Hebrews. And one day as he was over his balcony, he was noticing a Hebrew slave and a very mean Egyptian who was who was really giving him what for. And it doesn't say how he killed the Egyptian. I guess maybe he took a javelin and and got him. I don't know. The Bible's silent. I should be. However, <clears throat> to make this interesting, I'm not. And um, I'll let you guys figure it out because I do not speak Hebrew or read Hebrew, but and I don't know if it really says, but anyway, the Hebrew ran away and told his closest two million friends. And the very next day, there was two Hebrews and they were arguing and fighting. And, and Moses goes, you two are brethren. Knock it off. Stop it. You shouldn't be... Um, fighting. And they said, are you going to kill me like you did um, the Egyptian yesterday and hide me in the sand? So then he realized that, that everyone knows. And Pharaoh had heard that he had killed someone, killed an Egyptian. So perhaps they had capital punishment in that day. I don't know. But it seems because at that point, Pharaoh wanted him Pharaoh wanted to kill him. So Moses runs away and he goes to Midian. 
And Midian was up and around the other side of um, the Red Sea and a little higher. And he, he goes and he sees seven girls watering their sheeps and their goats. And they're getting water. And here the local um, bullies are trying to feed their sheep and goats. And here comes Moses to the rescue and gets those um, bullies away from their sheep and goats and let um, the daughters, the seven daughters of Jethro feed their sheep and goats. And when they came back to the house or to the tent, they probably said, Dad, today an Egyptian helped us as we were watering the sheep and goats. Those old bullies were at it again, and he helped us. And, of course, Jethro said, well, I hope you invited him for supper. And um, he said, yes. And he invited him, and he stayed for 40 years. And he married one of the seven daughters. Um, Her name was Zipporah. And one day, as... Moses was taking, doing the family business of herding sheep and goats. He looks up at Mount um, Moriah, um, Mount um, Horeb, which is Mount Sinai, and he sees he sees a burning bush, and he goes, "That doesn't quite make any sense because it's burning yet it's not being consumed. So I better go find out about that." So he walks up the mountain. And he hears this voice and says, Moses, yes, Lord. He goes, take your sandals off for this is holy ground. This is holy ground. And I have, I have seen, I have seen how your, how my children, the Hebrews are cruelly um, hurting in Egypt and you've come to deliver them. And he says, me? He goes, uh, I don't speak very well. He goes, no problem. Your brother Aaron, he's quite a spokesman. He'll be your spokesman. And he said, um, um, and the Lord said, well, what's that thing in your hand? And he said, you mean my staff, my rod? He goes, yeah, throw it down. And it became a snake. He goes, now pick that snake up. The Lord said, pick that snake up by the tail. He picked it up and it became a rod or a staff again. He goes, now take your hand and put it in your, um, in your robe. And he takes his hand and puts it in his robe. And he takes it out and it's full of leprosy. He goes, now put it back in, into your robe. And sure enough, he brought it back again and it was all perfectly fine. He said, I am the God that will bring out the children of, of um, Egypt, the Hebrews, out to the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. And, he, and, and Moses was a bit, not, he was not confident at all. But he says, who do I tell my people that you are? He knew he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But what is your name that when I tell Pharaoh to let my people go and worship, who do I say that you are? And and God said, you tell them that I am that I am. 
And it's the verb to be. I will become exactly what you need. I am Yahweh Jehovah. If you need salvation, I will be Jehovah Shua. If you need deliverance, I'll be Yahweh deliverance. If you need help, I'll be God of help. Whatever you need, I will be that God. So Moses is on his way back to Egypt. And all of a sudden his wife comes. And Moses gets deathly sick. And she figures out, because Moses probably said, We have a covenant with Abraham, and that covenant means that we're separate from the pagan countries around us. And one of our evidence of being separate is circumcision. And now you have two boys, and you haven't circumcised them. So she took a flint knife, and she circumcised her boys. And as she did it, she threw it down, and she said, you're a bloody people. And she wasn't British when she said that. And so... She, she went up and stayed with her mom and her dad, her, uh, stayed with Jethro with the boys. And Moses went on to Egypt. And as Moses goes out through the wilderness, he comes across his brother. And here is um, Aaron. Now, he hasn't seen Aaron in um, 40 years, but they're just as thick as thieves still. And Moses goes through the whole process of what he saw in Mount Sinai and who God was and what he came to do as deliverance. And he said, and by the way, brother, you're going to be the mouthpiece for me, the spokesperson. And you're going to help me to tell Moses, to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. I'm sure he was very apprehensive with that. So, He gets into back to Egypt and he goes and he's in front of Moses and he takes a staff and he throws the staff down and he said, Pharaoh, let my people go. We need to worship in the wilderness for three days. We need to take our wives and our children and all our animals, but let my people go. We need to worship and offer sacrifices. And Pharaoh just looked at him like he was nuts. And he, Moses threw down his staff and it became a snake. And the magicians thought, well, we do this all the time, perhaps. They threw their um, staff down and theirs became snake. However, Moses' staff gobbled up all the magicians' um, um, their snakes, which shows the power over everything. And so Moses said to Pharaoh, you must let us worship. You must let us sacrifice for three days. So he wasn't gonna. So Moses took his staff and he went to the Nile River and every one of the 10 plagues represents a, one of the Egyptian gods. In some form or some way. They were polytheistic. They did not believe in one God. They believed in many. He threw his staff down. Into the river. As told by God. And he turned the whole river into blood. 
Now the life light of um, Egypt was in the river. We, can, we can't do without air and we can't do without water. And that reminds me, I'm going to take a little break. Mine is not blood. Mine is H2O. And so the blood was filled with water. Every pot, every place they could do, they had to dig around and let it soak to get water. And then Pharaoh said, let, um, Moses said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, okay, I'll let you go. But there's certain contingencies. You can just, the men can go and can't take any animals and you can't take your wife and your kids. And then he hardened his heart. And I'll tell you, ladies, if we take a position against God and we harden our hearts, that hardened heart will be um, stronger by the resolve that we make. And God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And 10 plagues came along. The blood in the Nile, the frogs. There was frogs in the kitchen, frogs in the bed, frogs on your head. There was frogs was the second place. plague. Then there was lice, the third plague. Then there was flies, the fourth plague. Then there was the diseases on the beasts. It doesn't say what kind, but who wants disease anywhere? Then there was boils on the man and the beast. And who wants a boil? Ugh. And then there was hail and thunder ruining all their agrarian crops. And then the next um, plague was locusts. If the, if the thunder and hail did not ruin the crops, then the locusts did. Then number nine was darkness. And that was in direct opposition of their god, Ra. They were big into their sun god. And then finally, it was the angel of darkness and death. Death of the firstborn. And before, at this point, Moses was just so sick of these people. But God told him, before the angel of darkness comes and the Passover begins, I want you to borrow I want you to take from your neighbors gold and silver and badger um, um, pelts and cow's pelts and um, beautiful um, material and take them with you. And this is what the Passover will mean. I want you to take a lamb that's perfect of one year, and I want you to slit its throat, take the blood from this animal, and take hyssop and put it over the doorpost and the lentils of your of your house, making a cross. All this is symbolic of what would come. And when you eat, I want you to roast that lamb. And eat that lamb. I want you to eat it with your purse, with your hat, with your clothes, and with your shoes. Because the angel of death will pass over the Hebrew houses. But every home in, is, every home in Egypt will have death. It could be the father, it could be the mother. But every firstborn of humans will experience death. 
and of your animals. I thought that was interesting. So at this point, 600,000 men plus their children plus their wives came about to be 2,000 people were let go and they couldn't get out fast enough. And not one of the Israelites were harmed, but every home in, the, in Egypt was. So then they get to Migdal, Migdal, and they're by the sea. The sea is in front of them, the mountains are around them, and Egypt's behind them. And they are camping here, and God provided a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of um, cloud by day. And all of a sudden, you see a big thing of a big, look like smoke, but it was sand. And you hear the hooves of 600 charioteers from Pharaoh and 600 captains and men and animals. And, and the people go, Lord. And Moses goes, God, what do we do? And he said, stretch forth your, your rod to the Red Sea. And God opens up the Red Sea and it's like a wall on two sides. And they go, the, is the, Israel arm, the Israelites go on dry land. It wasn't even wet. It was dry land. And they kept the pillar of cloud between the Egyptians and the Israelis. And it was behind them. And they followed the pillar of fire out. And as that last Hebrew left, Moses holds his rod up and he pulls it down and the horse and the rider thrown into the sea and they died. And I would love to have an archaeological dig because they took the, um, God allowed the, the wheels of the chariots to come off in the middle of it. And they were dragging those um, horses and those chariots. And I would love to see after almost maybe five thousand years that they would still have the um, the um, metals that were in on the on the chariots. My sister and I we went a couple years ago to see um, at Balboa Park. They had antiquities of Egypt, and some of them were real and. Antiquities and some of them were reproductions, and they had a big, um, they had a big chariot there. And you go, oh, that's. And I thought of this story then. And they also had a lot of regalia of their gods. And I'll tell you, it felt evil. It felt dark, and it felt evil. It wasn't the same as um, when we went to Israel, and it was awesome. It was just dark and evil because all these gods are really a representation of Satan. It's never, it, it's never Yahweh and our wonderful God. But anyway, <clears throat> when they were on the other side, Moses came up with this wonderful worship poem. And she, he, he was telling his sister this, obviously, because she picked up her tambourine... And she started to dance. 
and she had the other woman, women dance and she said, I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed victoriously, the horse and the riders thrown into the sea. My God, my savior, and Eddie gave me the words and I've lost him, but it was a wonderful song and she led them in dancing and worshiping and she became this wonderful worship leader that was a prophetess and they had great victory and you gals when you're gone through a terrible trial and it's been 300 it has felt like 300 years and you're on the other side pick up your tambourine and worship the lord for he has triumphed victoriously the horse and the rider has thrown him into the sea because we need to remember when there's, there's a time to cry and there's a time to praise. And this was a time to praise. So now they're, in, now they're in the wilderness. And God provides for them. Jehovah Jireh provides, provides um, water for them. He provides food, this manna that's supposed to be delicious. And I hope we have it in heaven with chocolate because I think it might need some chocolate on it because I think everything needs chocolate on it mostly my fingers but so as they were and I've lost my place but that's okay um So when they were in the wilderness, the Lord provided manna. He provided all sorts of things for him. And then one day, they came to Meribah. And the, and the Hebrews were complaining. I don't know about you guys, but Philippians tells us, do all things without murmuring and complaining. And I know when we women start to complain, it's, I remember Cheryl Broderson saying, Complaining and murmuring is the language of hell. Well, I don't want to have I don't want to have the language of hell. I want to have the language of heaven. So, but they complained about not having water. And Moses took his rod and he was told by the Lord to to take the rod and just um, say to the rock. Rock, bring water. But he was so mad about these complaining Israelites that he hit the rock twice and out gushed water. And God said, Moses, you misrepresented me to the people. And he said, because you've misrepresented me to the people, You will be unable to go into the promised land. The land flowing with milk and honey. And every wonderful thing you can imagine. And then the people started complaining again. Here we go again. 40 years of this. And he said, you know, we're kind of missing the leeks and the garlics and the onions and the cucumbers and the fish of Egypt. Give us food, Moses. Give us food, um, meat that we can eat. And the Lord sent quail. And he sent quail so much that they were sick of quail. It was coming. It was 
quail tacos, quail um, burritos, quail um, stew, quail soup. They were sick of quail. So they were complaining, people, just like us. For me, it's like, it's too hot. I get in the car with my husband. I go, honey, turn on the um, air conditioning because it's too hot. Or honey, turn on the heat. Honey, your music's too loud. The Beatles are singing way too loud. I mean, it's always something. And I I think he might think I'm Miriam May to him. But um, anyway, so the next thing, they camped around Mount Horeb, which is Mount Sinai, again, And here they are. I wonder where I am. Here they are. um, And they're around Mount Sinai. And Moses walks up. He goes, I'm going to be there for about 40 days and 40 nights. So he's up there and he's getting the tablets of stone. The Ten Commandments written by the finger of God. And he's up there and he comes down. And he says, what is all this ruckus? And here he sees his brother Aaron. And he, he sees this huge gold calf. And he says, behold the calf that led us out of Egypt. There was no calf that led them out of Egypt. And Moses takes these two pillars and he throws them down. And he has to go back up to Mount Sinai and get a new set written by the hand of God. And he comes down again and he said, God has given me these commandments, not suggestions, but commandments. And he says, thou shalt not have any gods before me. I am Yahweh. I'm the one and only God. He said, thou shalt not make any graven images. Thou shalt not take the Lord thy name, thy, the Lord thy God's name in vain. Thou shalt remember thy Sabbath day and keep it holy. Thou shalt honor thy father and mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And thou shalt not covet. And Aaron, you broke the first and the second commandment by making, worshiping something that wasn't God and making a graven image. And Aaron, you won't be going into the promised land. Moving down further, they now have the tabernacle set up. And the Shekinah glory is feeling is in the, in the holies of holy. And it illuminates the whole tent. And it's beautiful. And Miriam now is around 100 years old. And she was 10 or 12 years older than um, her, her brother Moses. And she was 7 years older than her brother Aaron. And she's in the in the. In the the doorway of the tabernacle, and she going, she says, Psst, Aaron, come over here. Old Zippor is dead, and 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 our brother Moses has this new Ethiopian wife, and 
she can't cook, she's just gorgeous, and she can't, doesn't really talk like we do. And, and she was prejudiced, and she was looking on the outward side and not looking on the inward side. And perhaps Aaron was listening, maybe he was even agreeing. And all of a sudden, she becomes... Well, before she became, she also said, and besides, I'm a prophetess, and God speaks to me, and you're a high priest, and God speaks to you, and we're, we're older than they, we're older than Moses, why, why don't we um, have more of a, why don't we have a better position with God? And she's murmuring and complaining, and she's feeding this to her brother, and all of a sudden, she turns to leprosy. Oh my gosh, I have leprosy. And, and um, Aaron looks at her sister and runs and tells Moses, since our sister has leprosy. And <laughs> so she had, they had to get her out of the camp because leprosy is very contagious. And they stuck her outside of the camp for seven days. And in that seven days, we know that she must have repented and realized that she was a sinner, that she had gossiped, and that she had promoted herself to be a position that God hadn't called her in at all, and that she was humble to realize, and maybe it took seven days, could have taken longer. But in Hebrews 12, 1, it says there's such a great cloud of witness. And I believe she's in that cloud of witness. Because they brought their sister back. And she was, because Aaron was the high priest, he was the one to pronounce her clean or unclean. And once again, she was clean. There's so many lessons in this story. There's so many lessons and there's so many things that we have learned. And my big takeaway for this was Isaiah 53 says, There is not one, no, not one that's righteous. And then Paul tells us in Romans 3.23 that we have all sinned and fall from the glory of God. But John, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this little family of Miriam, Aaron, and Moses, all three of them did not go in to the promised land. They stayed on this side of the of the land flowing of milk and honey. But I believe with all my heart that we will see them in heaven and we will get to hear the story and exactly how it was done, not the Jenny Mae paraphrased version. And so I just pray today that we can learn. Sometimes we learn by good examples and sometimes we learn by bad examples. And they had good examples and they had bad examples. And as I said before, this is a story of sinners and saints and saints and sinners.
So I pray that you'll be able to take something from Miriam's story, from Aaron's story, and from Moses' story, and apply it to our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, great Yahweh, great Jehovah, great Jesus, thank you so much, Lord, for Miriam's story and her brother's story. And thank you that we're on this side of the New Testament and the New Covenant, that we only come to you by the blood of the Lamb that was shed for our sins, Lord. And so we pray that we can go out with joy and be led forth with peace. We pray when we've had a great victory that we'll be able to dance and sing and pick up the timbrel and worship you, Lord. And Father, you said in your word that we reap what we sow. And Father, when we sin, let us confess our sin. And teach us, Lord, not to gossip about people or be something that we really, you haven't called us to be. And Lord, we just desire to glorify you in all we think, all we say, and all we do. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.